0: Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, uh, Eddie and Steve. That was that was. A, I like that song. That was beautiful. You thanking them too? Oh, good. <laughs> Let's pray. Our dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for the blessing of worshiping you in safety. Please keep it that way, and for everyone around this world, bless those who have the um, problem of living in an area where it isn't safe to worship you. Keep them and protect them. Bless this sermon, and <laughs> bless the words that come out of my mouth so that everyone is hearing, because I need it today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> And the reason I said that is because God has a sense of humor. This sermon is called Praising and Worshiping God Through Music. And look who's giving it. That's why God has a sense of humor. I would have thought, first of all, Pastor John, Pastor Steve, Lydia, my dad, someone musical. Would give this sermon, but I'm not musical. <laughs> I'm giving this sermon, but it was requested. And that is also something unusual for me. Usually, when I give a sermon, I have already been studying something like in the, uh, that I've already been studying personally that had a revelation something out of the blue an inspiration and said should I share this and sometimes it's a yes this time there was a request and I had to search for the inspiration it didn't come the other way around but I, took a, I was taking a course called the history of music in the church as part of my New Testament studies my major and we researched different, the, the history going back through to the beginning of Christianity and before even. It's interesting about why. Why do we sing in church? And does everybody? There are some religious beliefs that don't think you should sing in church. Excuse me, my sinuses are giving me problems today. Um, they don't believe that you should be singing in church. And if you do, they believe you shouldn't sing with instruments. That And at one time, instruments were not allowed in the church. And neither were women singing. That was a short period from the... Uh, a certain period in Christianity, and that was when the Christian church was going out to the Gentiles. The first music in the Christian church came from the Jewish temples because the first converts were Jewish. They were from Judaism. So they knew that that music, that's what they brought over. When they started actually having churches to meet in, and the gospel was going to the Gentiles, women and musical instruments were not permitted in the churches because of the associations with pagan temples. The pagan temples had prostitutes, the prostitutes used musical instruments and singing to lure people into the temples. So the Christian church did not want that association. It took a lot of studying by pastors and uh, leaders of the church to realize it's not the music but how it's used to permit that. But there are examples in the Bible of women leading singing. But why do we sing at all? Well, it unites us. That's one reason. We're all singing the same song. It gets us ready to worship God. It brings an attitude of respectfulness, points us to God, and brings glory to Him. So it's a uniting as a corporate body. We could sing individually at home, too, which is better for me. <laughs> But Nevin says when I'm not, when I don't think anyone's listening, I sound good. It's when I'm, everyone's listening, I kind of, like, I don't know, I, I can't tell. <laughs> but also we sing to praise God. We also learned, and this surprised me, Not every Christian song is appropriate for worship. They're not worship songs. There's nothing wrong with them, but they don't point to God. There's songs of celebration or encouragement, and they lift you up, but they don't lift God up. There are songs, quite a few if you listen to um, Caleb that are like that. There's nothing wrong with them, then you might need them in a certain time in your life. And, and God knows that and sends them for you to up, be uplifted. But the ones to worship him point toward him. They glorify him. I found it interesting when I found, I did not know because I just thought every music, every Christian music was a worship song. The songs we used to sing in our congregation when I was growing up, they weren't considered hymns either. They're psalters. A psalter is based on psalms, but they don't have anything of the gospel in them. A, gospel, a hymn has to have gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and, and uh into the music. You can combine them with psalms to make hymns, but if you just use psalms, they're called psalters. P.S.A.L.T.E.R. It's it's based on the same word as psalm. It's... Now there's there's many denominations. Well, not many now, but there used to be, like the Puritans and the Quakers, and they did not believe in musical instruments either. Shakers. They made their own style of music, like. There's, those are spirit, white spirituals. That's another thing I learned. There's a difference between black spirituals and white spirituals, and that's because of the background of the people writing them. It's what they live. White, white background and our experiences are different than black people's backgrounds in this country. We know that. So the spirituals are different. They are inspired differently. Because of that, but they all worship Jesus and come from the heart. They come from the heart of the person writing them. That is something I admire. A person who can write music and even sing it. I mean, how do we come up with that? Words to the music. It's beautiful. I read this here it says I asked God why are you taking me through troubled water he replied because your enemies can't swim (laughs) the music helps us get through the troubled waters at least it does for me I can't remember the name of that song that every time you sing it I want to cry the one that uh, these, uh, that got me through when, when your dad was uh, the, oh if you're if, if, yeah if, you're, um, if your trials come through teardrops yeah, yeah that that song came to me when I was going through that and got me through it that one isn't exactly a worship song that's a song that helped me through my troubled times and it's different for everyone but you should be thanking God right now that I wasn't told to sing this sermon (laughs) that would have taken a lot of faith from me and a lot of faith from you to sit there and listen I found out also that not all all songs are appropriate for worship. Now that might be obvious, because uh, there's the words in them, but that doesn't mean not all genres aren't appropriate. I mean by a genre, I mean country music, rap music, rock and roll. Those are, those are genres, different styles. Any kind of music can be used to worship God. In fact, there are Christian rap songs. I've heard some of them. There's heavy metal, Christian. Now, that does sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Because I don't think of that as coming from the Holy Spirit but whatever gets people to listen to Jesus and draws them in is appropriate in a Christian music I had to learn about Ethiopian chants Coptic chants, Gregorian chants Russian chants, Russian Orthodox chants. A chant is, has uh, words, but not usually music, unless it's an Ethiopian. Ethiopian chants have music, musical instruments. Uh, I was, when I took this course, I thought I was taking a history course. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> it was a music appreciation course. They sneaked it in on me. Pastor Steve is the one that told me. He says, you took a a music appreciation course. I didn't know it. I thought I was taking a history course. (laughs) I was like, I'm glad I didn't know that. (laughs) I was like, when he told me that, I was like, wow, really? Because that wouldn't have been something I would have wanted to take, and I had to. It was a required course. But the history part of it was really interesting for me. But I thought, why do I have to learn about these chants? I'm never going to use them. Do they even do that anymore? They do. In the Orthodox Church, they use Chants. Some of the Byzantine Catholic churches use chants. The Coptic Church—I don't know if you've ever heard of the Coptic Christian Church—that's the Egyptian, the Egyptian Christians. They, um, when you go to Egypt, I I found out that there's a a Coptic church on each spot where Jesus was said to have where Mary and Joseph was to have stayed when they were fleeing from Herod to save Jesus' life, and they're called Coptic Christians. They're they're Egyptians, the Egyptian Christians. It's another word for Egyptian, basically. So then you've got the Ethiopian, but the Coptic Christians... They they've been around almost as long as the original Jewish Christians because of because of the um, because of Jesus fleeing and and them they kept them him safe. That was what they were known for, and they built churches on each one of his places that he was supposed to have been. You can visit; it's like a trail. the music of each generation has changed and there has been quite a bit of fighting over it and it's crazy because we're supposed to be Christians, and we're not supposed to be fighting, but we do it anyway and over music, which is so personal God is a musician if you ever read um, Music is a Gift And if you read in, let me see if I can find it here. I was going to say my Bible program logos. (laughs) Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Here a moment ago. Let me find the shortcut because I had it saved here, which usually helps me. Come back in here. Come back. Four. Twenty-one. Genesis chapter four, verse twenty-one. It says his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who played stringed instruments and pipes. He was a musician. He's one of Cain's, not one of Cain's uh, descendants. His name was Jubal Cain. And that's the furthest back that I could find mention of instruments. But God, God said that these people had the gift for instruments and pipes. They made them. They also probably played them. Because usually the people who have the ability to make the instruments play the instruments. Because, but it's not always the opposite way around. But they have to have the ear to be able to know that it's, they've tuned it and made it right. We also had to have a book called Te Deum. I think I'm pronouncing it right because the first time I saw it, I thought it said Tedium. I thought this is going to be an interesting class. Sounds boring. That title, Tedium, <laughs> it was tedious. It was Te Deum, which is Latin, and it comes from the hymn Te Deum Laudamus. Means we praise thee, O God, and it's used in Latin in um, matins and uh, thanksgivings and liturgies in, in the Catholic Church and some Orthodox churches. That that book was um, had a lot of history of the music in it. Go. music is a form of prayer it unites people and can cross language barriers there's a song that we, listen, we sing here and it's also if you ever heard it on K-Love which is a Christian music station It's called How Great is Our God. And if you've ever heard it on that, they have different languages singing the different verses. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. And it's fun to listen to because even though you don't understand the different verses, you know the music if you've heard the song. It even has a verse in Swahili because I was studying this I was trying to figure out What the, had the drums and everything it was a, I love it when they play that song it, t- it transcends time You go back And you can listen to Some of the songs That we hear and play Are from Way, way back Some were written by Handel that's that's a long time. Some were more recent. Like there the are songs I, I like. Um, one of my favorite ones to listen to. I love bluegrass worship music. I just love bluegrass. But my problem is, <laughs> if my back was turned, I wouldn't be able to tell you the difference between a blue a bagpipe, a violin, and a mandolin. They sound the same to me. The only way I know, without looking, which instrument's being played is because of the style of music. And there's no, Usually there's no bagpipes in bluegrass, so I know they're not playing a bagpipe. It's most likely a violin or a mandolin, and when they pluck a violin, which some people do, it sounds like a mandolin. At least to me, I don't see... I have, I have almost totally tone deaf Yet some of the time I can hear when something's off But I can't tell you why And it's frustrating Because I would like to be able to sing But I inherited my mother's gift (laughs) My mother couldn't sing at all She is now though I know she is Because she always wanted to Music transforms us transforms our soul if you're, especially if you're a musical person like my daughter Lydia Lydia thinks in musical she's musical from the inside out I don't even know how to explain it really but she associates things with music it's second nature to her she could sing before she could talk and so could my oldest daughter they could both sing before they could talk and write on key too. I don't know how that's possible except that it was a gift. You can make almost any place you're at into a sacred worship place with music And no one else even has to know it with nowadays because you can have earbuds in. And the music's turning this into a worship place. Or you can do it out loud and have people say, what are you singing? And you tell them. And you're preaching the gospel with music. Music is amazing. It's a very powerful thing. And God put it in each one of us to either enjoy it or use it and in different ways writing singing dancing if we look at Second Samuel chapter 6 in verse 14 we read about King David <laughs> praising the Lord in fourteen verse fourteen of Second Samuel chapter six. He says, "This is wearing a linen ephod, or ephod. I'm not sure of the pronunciation of that. David was dancing before the Lord with all his might." while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. So this was a worship service. And they were dancing at the worship service. When you read it, it's, it's a worship service. Only it's out in the broad daylight. They're dancing, they're singing, they're praising the Lord. They're using instruments too. His wife, or his fiance at the time, I don't know if she was married to him or not at this time, Michael, thought that he was, he was not acting dignified like a king should, or a future king. Then he gave loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person and a whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women, and all the people went to their homes. When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today. So she was married to him, and he was the king. And she was being sarcastic towards him, not giving him the proper respect. Going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would do. David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. That's who I was doing this before he's telling her, not before any human person. So I looked up to find out what a linen, a linen ephod or ephod was, as much as I could figure out. What I could find out is the upper garment of the priest. Now, I don't know if that meant it was an out, outward, like, robe type, where he would just, or if it's like a breastplate, and he would, that's all he was wearing, dancing in the street, but the, that's what it sounds like. And he, she was disgusted with him. Now, I don't advise us to strip down naked out and down the streets of Youngstown or Austintown or wherever we live, dancing naked, praising the Lord. Because in this society, that's liable to get us thrown either into jail or the psych ward. One or the two. <laughs> Don't know if you really want that. <laughs> you get in real trouble. The society was different then and he was the king and he could do what he wanted. Who's going to stop him. Even though we might just be praising the Lord, God expects us to obey the laws too. <laughs> so I'm not telling you to go out strip naked and dance down the streets. Also in, in Samuel 6, chapter 5, um, Samuel chapter 6, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 5, there's some more instruments of the types of, uh, mention of the types of instruments they were playing. David and all Israel, in Second in Samuel 6, chapter 5, that's just up from where we were, were just now. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might for the Lord with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. So they were making quite a joyful racket, noise, noise. Maybe it sounded pretty. Maybe it was like a a parade, like New Year's New Year's parade. Doesn't say that they rehearsed or not. They just were all celebrating. So, (laughs) so I thought, what's a sistrum? Has anyone ever heard of a sistrum? I looked up to see what a sistrum was. Found out it's like it's called a rattle. It's like a maraca. The picture showed it looking very similar to a maraca. It uh, the shape isn't quite the same, but the, the the handle is and the use of it. So it's a it's a maraca style instrument that they were using. So I, I was interested I was interesting to see how far back castanets go. I thought they were a Spanish you know, thing. I did not know they went back that far. Um, And systems I just never had heard of before, and symbols. Now, some of the time I read that some of the time the symbols they used were they took shields and um, that they used in war and took them and started to use the symbols that way. But I don't know how true that is. That's just something I had read and heard about, which as a makeshift symbol that would work. So they used a lot of different instruments. And then I tried to find out where's the, the first, I looked to find out where the, the first uh, mention of a song is. An actual worship song, as far back as I could find out. And it's in Exodus 14, Miriam's song. Miriam's song when they went through the Red Sea that's in Exodus, I believe it's chapter fourteen. Yes. It's, or actually it's 15 it's called the song of Moses and Miriam now some some translations say that Moses and the Israelites sang this song others say that Miriam led the women in this song but notice how long it is that's a long song it goes from chapter 1 I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver, he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers and drowned in the sea, the Red Sea. And the deep waters, the deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. It goes all the way down to Verse 18 is a very long song. And the Lord reigns forever and ever, it ends, praising him. It makes it sound like immediately they came out of the sea. Pharaoh's army was killed and they started singing this song. I got to thinking, didn't someone have to write it? Boy, that's a long song to do immediately without, they couldn't have known it because that it hadn't happened before. Someone wrote this song. There's two other explanations I, I could think of that I learned about in my class. One is called Lining Out. I don't know if any of you have heard of Lining Out. It's still done in some small congregations. It's where the the person speaking or the worship leader sings a, sings a line, and the rest of the congregation sings it, and then he sings a line, and they sing it. It's called Lining Out. Well, it was a way to teach music to people, too, songs that they did not know, like in... In the great awaken, the first great awakening and the second great awakening, they were, um, they were revivals after the second uh, revolution and the American Revolution and the Civil War. And when they went into to preach the gospel out in the the West and in the wilderness, people came like camp meetings, but they didn't know the song, so they had a leader that would sing one line and then they'd have people that would would go back and they'd sing it as they go. It was actually very disorganized, but it taught them the song. So they could have either done that or there's something else that we don't hear about very often called singing in the spirit. It's very much like speaking in tongues, where... All of a sudden, the Spirit inspires you to sing something that you've never sang before or heard. Now, that could have happened here, too, because Moses and Miriam and the congregation are singing this song. They had to have just learned it, or the timeline isn't always, like, quite accurate. It'll jump to the most important parts of these uh in the Bible. It's not chronological. So it could have been a few days, and then all of a sudden there's this song. But it's a long song to be singing all of a sudden. And then there's one in Judges, Judges chapter 1. It's another long one. Verses 1 through 31, Deborah's song. Her and Barak sang it, composed it and sang it after they beat, after they won against um, Sisera, the general, General Sisera. And it, it worships and praises God. There's a couple other examples like Mary's song in Luke. Luke, chapter one, verse 46 through 55. Mary, after everything she's been with, been told she's going to be a teenage unwed mother, and this is what she does. he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham as his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. That's Mary's song after that. So when we go through trials, that's an example of how we're supposed to react, though we don't always, because it's not easy to do. And it took her probably a little while to get adjusted to the idea. <laughs> I had an experience that was kind of scary for me. I had, was a guest speaker at a church a few years back. I had to sing a doxology. Have you ever heard of a doxology? The doxology is what many churches do right before sorry, right before the um, offering. It's a it's a blessing to sing solo and a cappella before the congregation. I was petrified. no one told me I was going to have to do this when they asked me if I would be filling for the pastor because he went on vacation God doesn't tell you everything otherwise you might not do it (laughs) I'm up there I'm like okay Lord I'm going to have to let you take over so I started singing (laughs) it was so bad the people in the and the congregation stood up and started singing too, because <laughs> they weren't supposed to do that. <laughs> they felt sorry for me. <laughs> and I started singing really loud. <laughs> I says, "Oh, thank you. Thank you so much." <laughs> now people think I'm joking, but when I tried to sing lullabies to my grandchildren, my children, when they were little, they would cover their ears. I say please don't, Mom. They had a perfect pitch, that's why. The only one I liked to hear me sing was Clara, and she, I thought, poor kid must be tone deaf, like me. And, and so people think I'm joking, but no one says, he says, Norris because you get nervous. You sing when no one knows. But I, I tried to explain to him, I don't know what I'm, if I am or not. It just happens accidentally. So <laughs> but God gives us all gifts and I can enjoy music and we can all do that. And like blessings, like we get to hear Eddie and Lydia and my daughter or granddaughter Willow, she's got a beautiful voice. She's inherited my dad always sang. So you got to hear the, have the listeners as well with, as the performers. <laughs> I found a song in Revelation, Revelation chapter five. This will be the last one. Revelation chapter five. Whoops, yeah, no, Revelation, not not uh, not numbers. Revelation chapter nine verse 17 or verse 9 I'm looking at the wrong one Revelation chapter 5 verse 9 (laughs) I have more than one they have similar numbers I should have like put lines between them (laughs) get the right one eventually and if it doesn't go to the one I think then God must want something else (laughs) and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe, language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on earth. When I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands, ten thousands, ten times ten thousands. they encircled the throne the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice they were saying worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise when I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all, all that is in them saying to him who sits on a throne and to the Lamb be praise honor glory and power forever and ever this is, they were singing it says says but they were singing from the, what I was studying and it says in verse 10 says you have made them to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God and they will reign on the earth one of the ways we serve our God is with music and worship and praise and when other people hear us doing that in some way or another we We give glory to him. And that's what we're supposed to do.